going to get started right away. Okay, so we are on chapter 48. Um, we're going to be doing 48 and 49 together. They're kind of like little twinsies, just like 47 and 48 were like a direct continuation, 48, 49 go together. So we're going to be doing those two chapters together. And just to give us a quick review, starting from the section of creating emotions through meditation, which chapter did that section start? We started that section, chapter 41, and it's going to go through 50, I think. So starting in chapter 41, what did we start with talking about? We started talking about the fact that we need to create the emotion of awe and reverence before love. So yes, both are important, but as a foundation, we need to start with respect because without respect, the love doesn't land as love, right? It's just, and we gave that example about the husband who came home late with the flowers, right? Like it just doesn't work. Chapter 42, we talked about our internal Moses, right? Our internal Moshe Rabbeinu. What's our internal Moshe Rabbeinu? Da'as. What's da'as? The ability to focus on an, on an abstract concept until um, it becomes emotionally, you, you emotionally react to it, right? So you're, you're meditating on these abstract concepts, right? Pretty much anything about God is going to be pretty abstract. We meditate on enough that actually emotions are created. If you think about that, it is an unbelievable experience, an unbelievable tool that we have. That da'as, that ability to do that is our internal Moshe, or is it our internal Moses, okay? That was chapter 42. 43, we learned about two different loves and two different levels of awe, okay? Chapter 44, we learned two more additional um, um, levels of love. We called them the hybrid love, right? The, the love that combines the innate ability that we have inside of us to access it, but we have to access it and meditate on it. It needs both, right? 45, um, we talked about if you're having a hard time accessing your love straightforward, there's another emotion that can help us get to love. What was that emotion? Compassion, right? If you think about God in a compassionate way, namely like, oh my gosh, he's in exile down here in this world. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit more today. Then compassion leads to love. So if you're having a hard time just going straight to love of God, go through the back door of compassion and that will help you get there, okay? Chapter 46, we presented this principle from King Solomon. What's the principle? Um, the pr principle in Hebrew is, kind, is called kamaim alpanim alpanim. It is, you can see your face, your reflection, your face in your face, right? If you look into a body of water, your face will be reflected back up to you, which means reciprocal love. That if we tap into the fact that God loves us, then we will feel loving towards God, right? What concept do we meditate on to produce that love of God? The, the event of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the event of exile from the exile, the redemption from Egypt, 
That is a huge loving act of God. If we think about that, then we can realize how much God loves us and love him in return, right? Um, if you feel loved, right? What was the, in, in a nutshell, if you feel loved, then you will feel, feel loving, right? And what was the parable that we used to describe this exile from Egypt that, and that God brought us all the way to Mount Sinai? We used the parable of the king taking the, the, the poor man who lived on a garbage heap. That's how we um, described that, that, that experience, okay? It's all sounding familiar. Last class, last week, we did 47 and 48. 47 was, okay, so we have this concept of the exodus of Egypt. How does that apply to us that happened thousands of years ago? So even though we were there, our souls were there, it still feels a little bit out of touch to meditate on something that happened so long ago to produce that love. And so what did we say? That the exodus from Egypt applies to us every single day, every single Jew. What does it mean? It means the ability to overcome our obstacles, to transcend nature. The ability to push aside our own desires and our own needs and be godly, that's transcending our nature. And the ability to do that is a gift from God. And God gifted it to us because he loves us right? And so if we think about this amazing gift that we have and the amazing ability that we have to transcend nature, we will understand that how much Hashem loves us and we will feel loving towards him, okay? Um, chapter, okay, and that's where we left off, right? We're going to do 48 today. So any questions about the review, something that's not clear, something that's not making sense? Ask now before we move on because I want us to have that good foundation before we continue. Okay, we're good. Chapter 48. So I want you to bear in mind that we are continuing this idea of reciprocal love. Okay, it's going to be the foundation of what we're discussing. But when we, um, but first, we're going to go on what seems like a little bit of a digression, but it will lead us back to this concept of reciprocal love. So we're going to talk about a different topic, but just remember in the back of your mind what the end game of this discussion is, okay? So what this chapter starts off with is a subject that we don't normally touch upon so much in the first book of Tanya. Why? Because the first book of Tanya is an instructional book right? It's practical. It's all about our personal relationship to God. So we don't find so much that we talk about these abstract concepts or the um, big esoteric um, existential questions of God's existence and, and all the different levels, right? We don't go into it so much. We go into it a little bit, enough to help us with our service of God. So here is the same thing. We're going to be talking about this concept of symptom. Okay, I'm going to write it in the chat box because this is a word that I'm going to be using a lot this class. How do I, one second, I want to just chat. Okay, so I'm going to write it in English. Sim, so, okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to translate it, but then as I, and as I continue using that word, you'll know what it means. Okay, so symptom is, has, can be translated a few different ways, but how we're going to be using it today is contraction 
or compression, basically. Oops, I'm just don't, I misspelled that because it did two I's instead of two S's, but you get the idea, okay? So we're going to talk about symptom, this concept of this contraction, this contraction and this compression of God. This, we are literally just touching the surface. It's going to still feel very abstract because it's an abstract concept, right? But late, like in, all the, in different books of the Tanya, it goes into it more or in different works of Hasidus, it goes into it more. But here we're learning about it for a purpose because the first book of Tanya is all about our practical personal relationship with Hashem. So anything that's discussed here is for that end goal. So we're not going to get off on all the different tangents and all the different deep esoteric ways that we can get into it right now because we're here for a purpose, but we do need to understand this concept to help us understand what we're trying to learn right here, which is love and the reciprocal love. This is gonna help us understand this even on a deeper level. And that's why we're bringing it in here right now, okay? So symptom basically is the concept which explains how a finite creation emerges within the midst of infinity without being overwhelmed out of existence. Okay, so that was a mouthful, but I want you to really, really, really pay attention because this is a phenomenal concept, okay? Symptom, this idea of constriction, it is a description of how something finite, which is the whole world, the whole world is finite. Yes, it's vast, but it still has boundaries. It still is a physical form. So finite, how can finite creation exist within something infinite, but the infinite doesn't destroy it. It doesn't overwhelm it. It allows it to exist. That's the concept of symptom. So it's, it's an anomaly, right? Only God can pull something off like that. And the way that God pulls that off is through symptom, through this compression, this contraction. And we're going to understand this a little bit more to the best of our ability, okay? So how can, how can, this is, we're continuing with the question, how can there be a creation that has dimension, right? Um, and is possible in the midst of God's infinity. How could something infinite create something finite and not overwhelm it at the same time? Okay, so this, like I said, this concept is called symptom, where the infinite makes room for the finite. The infinite God is making space within himself for the ability of a finite creation to exist. Without this concept, without symptom, creation wouldn't be possible. If God did not have a mechanism or a, a way to constrict himself, to allow a finite existence to exist, creation wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be possible, okay? Um, and what's really important to understand is we're even talking about the spiritual world here. 
Because the spiritual worlds, although to us seem like this abstract, elusive concept to God, it's just as much of a creation as our physical world. So the, these spiritual worlds are also a creation. So when we talk about symptom, when we talk about the ability that God has to create the infinite, we're including the spiritual world in this concept. Okay. So um, the altar of us says that um, one second. So the altar of us says, we're not going to really get into and understand the exact nature of symptom and how it takes place and all the different myriads of, you know, details that are involved in symptom. We're not going to really talk about that here, but what is explained here is um, how, because remember, what is the begin, what's the concept? Why are we learning Tanya to begin with? It's remember the back in chapter one, we are talking about how Hashem is very near to us and we can serve him, right? We can serve Hashem because he's very close, right? So we just need to understand how is Hashem very close, right? How does this work? How does, how are we existing right now? How does this whole thing work to the point that we can understand and enhance our relationship with Hashem. Okay, so that's as far as we're going to get in this concept. Now, um, by definition, right? Um, we just we just want to understand the basic idea of how Hashem created the world, and by definition, finite possesses dimension, right? So therefore, there has to be symptom that happens to create this world. Finite means dimension. We are dimensional. The world is dimensional. We are all in existence because of this concept of symptom, okay? So, I'm sorry, my, my notes were not, are not very legible today. So um, we're gonna just, Bear with me for a minute. Okay, hold on. We're going to admit somebody. Okay, so we need to wrap our brains around the fact that there is a finite world. Okay, we there is a finite world, and that it's absolutely insignificant compared to the source that it's created from. Okay, the world is insignificant to the source that it was created from and the source that keeps it alive and enlivens it. And we learned many chapters ago that God is constantly recreating us, right? If we were, if God didn't want us to exist and if he didn't constantly take the time to recreate us, we would cease to exist. So us, we need to wrap our brain around this crazy fact that us, alive, dimension, the world, we're finite, we are really quite insignificant to the infinite being that created us and enlivens us and keeps us alive, okay? So um, the, amount of, the amount of constraint and containment and concealment that is necessary to make this happen is really unfathomable. What I'm asking 
you to do and myself to do while we learn this chapter is to really delve into a concept that's quite unfathomable. Our brain is not going to ever completely be able to wrap our brains around it because we are logical, finite beings. And we're trying to grasp an infinite concept. So it doesn't let us off the hook and say, just forget it, don't learn it. But we push ourselves and we learn about it as much as our brain can handle it. And when we read, I remember I speak about this all the time, we're eventually going to hit the wall. We're eventually going to get to a point where we're like, oh, I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. What kicks in when we hit that wall? That's when our emunah, betachon, our faith, and our true trust in God kicks in. And we have to say, you know what? I can't understand everything. But, but there are, we can't understand to a degree, okay? So there are two kinds of creative energy. There is the filling light, which is called memale. The Hebrew word for fill is memale. So there's the filling light, or memale. And then there's the encompassing light, or sovave. Do you want me to write that down in the chat box? Okay. So me, it's always funny how to spell these Hebrew words. Okay, memale is the filling light. And sovave, not solve, but sovave is encompassing. Oops, I was in caps lock. Okay, so we have the mamale light and the sovave light, the filling light and the encompassing light, okay? This is, and this is a very, very, very cool, fascinating concept. Each item in this world is filled up with the filling light to the degree that that item or thing or being can handle it. So every physical object that you see in this world has godliness inside of it, right? But not equal amounts of godliness because there's going to be a different amount of godliness that are in my keys, right? It still has to have godliness or it would cease to exist, right? So my keys are gonna have a different amount of godliness compared to me as a human being compared to an animal. Right? So each thing has godliness inside of it and it's filled with godliness to its capacity, to its, um, it, to its um, uh, degree of being able, whatever it can handle. So different things have different amounts of the filling light. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So at the same time, the encompassing light is what surrounds the world, right? What surrounds us beings, objects. It doesn't penetrate. And it's because it's um, more, it's the light that's not compressed and contracted. So it's not, we can't handle it inside of us. It's around us, and, but it's just as important for us as a creation. So we have the light that's filled within us. And then we have the godly light that surrounds and encompasses. Both are important for our existence, but they're different types of light and they have different roles, okay? So um, the Altar Rebbe describes this as Hashem thinking of the world, right? And it coming into being inside of him, right? And 
this is the concept of not Hashem being inside of the world, but the world being inside of him. Okay, and remember, we're using these metaphors of thinking inside, outside, because those are worldly terms, but, and that's the only way we can describe God, but it's still, we're, it's, we're still limiting God when we describe him this way. So we have this concept where Hashem is in this world, right? He's in everything in this world. And then we have the concept that the world is within God. When he thinks about us, when he thinks about the creation of the world, when he thinks about the world coming into existence, that's the world within God. So do you understand the difference, right? We have God in the world, right? How God fills up the world. And then we have the world that's within God, where God surrounds the world, okay? So Mimale is is um is described by the filling because whatever hashem fills that's what has life whatever god goes into that's what has life if there's something that's in this world it is has god inside of it right it's discernible okay you can discern it you can see it right because if you if i see you and you see me i'm discernible you're discernible that means I have God inside of me, right? It's the light that's inside of God. So babe, the encompassing light is not really discernible and we can't detect it, right? Um, so even though it's involved in creation, right? And, it, and we wouldn't exist without it, we can't see it. It's not tangible to us. We cannot really relate to it, okay? So you may ask, what's practical about this? And why do we need to know this? Why, number one, do we need to know about symptom? Why do we need to know about these two different kinds of lights, the encompassing light and the filling light, okay? So remember, we're still talking about reciprocal love, right? Um, and we, this is what's gonna segue us right into chapter 49. And, what we're and we're gonna give a little preview to what chapter 49 is gonna talk about. So this is what we need to think about to create this meditation to um, enhance and create this concept of reciprocal love, okay? Think about the fact that Hashem can hold back his infinite power, right? And I mean, he's holding it back a lot, right? Why is he holding it back? For us, so we can exist. Because if God did not hold some of himself back, we would not exist. We would not be here. And the reason why God is holding himself back is for us. And that's love, right? The whole idea of Tsimsum, this whole idea of contracting and God like making himself smaller for us is an act of love. Such a big, huge act of love because it's such a big, huge sacrifice for God. So when we think about that, we feel very loved and in turn, we feel loving. Okay, does that make sense? Yes? I'm assuming that if you have any questions, you will pipe up on the chat or in on Instagram. There's also a comment box if you have any questions. Okay, so now let's really delve into chapter 49 so to, to pick apart this concept a little and go, it, go into it even a little more in detail. So there's many types and many degrees of symptom that bring about 
different levels of creation. Okay. So um, in general, we speak about three categories of symptom for the three worlds. Now, really, I'm, we've talked about there being four worlds, th three, three spiritual and one more actualized, or that really it's the end of the fourth world that's actualized. But the first world that's called Atsilas is barely a world. So we don't really include it here in this concept. So I'm actually going to put in the chat box for you the name of the names of the of the three worlds we're talking about, but I'm also going to include the first world, which is Atsilas, because it's sometimes categorized as a world and sometimes not. So we have Atsilas, which is the highest of the world. We have Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya, which is our physical world down here. Okay. So here at Silas, we're not really counting as a world. It's so, 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 so spiritual that it's iffy, whether it's a world or not for this concept. We have Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Those are the three worlds that we're going to be talking about. Okay. Um, the sum total of all the concealment in place is the physical world, right? Because the concealments compound on each other, right? So it goes at Silas and then Bria and Yitzira and Asiya. And the culmination of all the symptom and all the constriction is what leads to this physical world that we are in right now, okay? And it's actually very interesting because the world olam, which is the Hebrew word for world, comes from the root word helem, and helem means concealment. So that even the, the Hebrew word used for world means concealment. So once anything's being translated as a world automatically means concealment, automatically means God is restricting himself. Okay. So, so like I said, each, each world compounds on the prior concealment and a good metaphor for this. And I think I've mentioned in a couple of chapters ago, it's a very, very perfect um, um, example, or what's it called? Uh, whatever, a, a metaphor for concealment regarding God and symptom and worlds. So it's like every world is a has a translucent curtain. Every time God comes down a little bit more, constricts himself a little bit more, there's a translucent curtain. And there's many myriads and myriads and myriads of translucent curtains until um, at some point, the translucent curtains, even though each one of them by themselves is translucent, um, together, it, they turn opaque at a certain point. If you put many, many, many translucent curtains over each other, there's, there's opacity, okay? So he, just like that. So down here in this world, God, you know, is behind there. There's God here, right? But it's, there's so many curtains, so many translucent curtains down that have to happen to create this world to the point where we can be walking and existing in this world without ever thinking about God. If you think about that, how could that be? How could we exist and we're cre being created constantly by God, but we can live our life and we can live an ungodly life. How could that be? Right? It's because of this concept of this opacity that happens after concealment, after concealment, after concealment. 
Okay, then there's a question here. Is, it is the time frame for every three seconds that the world is being recreated? You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's, um, I would have to find out, but my, um, where did you hear that is my question. Go ahead, unmute. Okay, well, um, my rabbi, I, I've been doing Tanya for many years and it was, and still can never remember any of this. So um, every time I learn it again, I'm like, what? I never heard that before. <laughs> but one thing that I, I do remember, and I always get this confused. I think it's every three seconds that the world is being recreated every three seconds. And so in practice, what that has, I, but I think, but I need to make sure what that gives me is that whole sense that whatever limitations I might have right now, whatever fears, whatever, you know, holds me back. I've, in three seconds, it's a it's new all over. Or whatever this time frame is, which I think is three seconds. Yeah, it's a whole new world, a whole new set of perceptions. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually, wow, I love that, that approach, right? Like if God's constantly recreating the world, that means we are always constantly getting a fresh start. So I, I've never heard the three second thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to research and find out. Um, what I've always been told is like, it has to be constant because if there was a second that God wasn't recreating us, we wouldn't exist. So it, I'd be interested to know if there's actually like a time that's associated with that, or it's just this constant concept. So that I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm happy. If you find out also get back to us and let us know, Thank but whatever, whatever the case is, that concept still exists, right? We're always getting a fresh start. And so whatever happened the second before, don't let that deter you because we can just start again. Right. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So, um, Right. So we spoke about this concept of the translucent curtains and the idea that how could we, how could it be that we can move through this world without ever thinking about God? That's how far he removed himself to allow us to exist and to exist with free choice. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, in chapter 36, when we talked about the, creating the dwelling place for God, that's also where we started talking about this concept. Okay. So, um, so this physical world where your soul is right now and where, and in this world is where the Torah was given, right? Um, we, this is where we're expected to live out our mission, right? This is the product of many layers of symptoms. The fact that we exist, the fact that the Torah was given here, the fact that we are tasked with a mission, the fact that all these things can happen is because of the concept of symptom concealment. Okay. Now take a minute. We're going to even do something a little bit different. And we're going to take a minute to actually meditate on this concept right now, because this is what we're learning. We're learning, think about this and, and think about what God did for us and what position God put himself in for us and have empathy for that, right? And when we have empathy for that, and when we realize what God did to, for us because of his love for us, we will feel automatically, we will feel loving towards God. We don't, the only physical thing that we have to do is to meditate. 
If we meditate on this concept, it will happen no matter what. The only task that you have is to actually do the meditation. So we're going to do a quick meditation in middle of class, and then we'll end with one, a shorter one too. But because we're in it right now, let's do it. Let's just close your eyes for a minute. We're not, we won't do the breathing. We're just going to close our eyes for a minute and think about this concept of symptom. Think about this idea that God constricted himself, made himself smaller for us so we can exist, so we can have a place to serve him. And he constricted himself to the point where we can actually choose whether we want to serve him or not. Angels can't do that. Animals can't do that. People can do that. Take a minute. Observe, like, what feelings come up for you when you think about that? Do you feel connected to this concept in any way? There's no wrong or right answer. If it's not resonating with you, we need to, we need to dig deeper. But just observe what, and do you feel it physically in your body? When you feel an emotion, usually we can feel it in our body as well. I was feeling warm. You were feeling warm, right? Because love usually fills us with warmth, right? It's, it's yeah. a warm encompassing feeling. So amazing that you were able to like feel the feeling and then feel it physically in your body. That means your, your emotions and your mind were working together. Anyone else want to share? Um, I'll share what I was feeling is I was feeling an internal um, peace and calm that made me want to uh, radiate outwards. I, it, it was like all feeling all good in here. And so my reaction is to radiate outwards in a very expansive. Um, yes. Feeling. Yes. I love that. I love it because love is an outward expression, right? It's like you want to give, you want to just open your arms. And that means that you were feeling the love. You felt loved, so then you felt loving. You wanted to return that experience. So, I mean, guys, amazing. You just, you're already on that path. So how cool is it? Is that the what we have to do to create this reciprocal love? Not, I mean, yes, meditation can be challenging, but we just have to think about it. We just have to take a minute, take the time, think about this concept and automatically like you've experienced, it's, it's going to happen. You're going to feel warm. You're going to feel giving. You're going to feel expansiveness. You're going to want to reciprocate because that's, that's what this does, right? So amazing. Thank you for sharing. Now, um, I just want to remind you that just because God is concealed doesn't mean he's not here right? We just have to remember that he's not, he didn't remove himself from the world. He just hid himself from the world, played, playing hide and go seek with your child. You didn't leave your child, right? You just hid, hid somewhere where they can't find you. And then when they find you, it's like light bulb, right? So the same thing. We just have to look for God. 
He's there. We just have to look for him. And the reason why he concealed himself is because he wants us to have an equal partnership in the relationship. If we had no challenge and if God was like really visibly apparent to us at all times, we would have no choice but to want to have a relationship with him. But that's not really free choice, right? That's like, obviously, like, what else am I going to choose? But that's not the kind of relationship that God wanted to have with us. He wants us to choose it. And choosing it means there's obstacles, there's other choices, right? Like there's evil in the world, which evil is here doing God's bidding to give us free choice, right? And just every time you you come across a challenge, an obstacle, a struggle, remember what it is. Remember that it's what it's there for, right? And we have the capacity to move through that. And some, I'm not saying we're always going to be successful, but I'm just saying when we understand why things are the way they are, it takes some of that scariness and some of that um, like negativity away from it. And then it's not as, as bad and as scary. And then it's not as hard to move through it. So this is what I always say, right? Knowledge is power. So just by knowing these concepts, by knowing these things, even if it doesn't really practically change your day-to-day life on purpose, it will just subconsciously, right? Because you're going to start to know and realize the mechanics of the world, the way the world is, the way it is, the reason why God did it this way, right? Is, is all for us. He did it all for us, to, for us to have a relationship with God, to, for us to have a mutual relationship with God, for us to have the ability to choose God, right? All that's for us. And that should create a love. Okay. So, um, so we have the agency to choose to be in a relationship with Hashem. We get to choose that angels don't get to choose that angels it's all good it's like all good they have no no choice it's just of course they're going to be godly because that's the only thing that they have but we have the agency we have the power to choose it and when we choose it it makes it all the more powerful okay um so what really matters and we've talked about this a lot when we were talking about um, when we were talking about the concept of making a dwelling place for God in all the 30s, in the chapters, right? We were talking about creating a dwelling place for God. We talked a lot about what's the point of creation? Why do we exist? And the fact that we can only accomplish that soul in a body, right? An angel can't accomplish it and a soul disembodied can't accomplish it, right? A soul before it's born and a soul after it passes doesn't accomplish what we can accomplish down here in this world. Only a soul and a body can do this, to, can create this kind of relationship with God, okay? So once we acknowledge this unfathomable restraint that Hashem executes on our behalf, it will just follow, it will be reflexive, um, the love that will come from that. So you don't have to create and work on the love. We just have to do, we just have to meditate on this concept of this unfathomable restraint that God has for us that will reflexively, that's a word, right? 
um, <laughs> create the love. And, the, and it will just have the automatic emotional response. Okay? So um, restraint, godly restraint equals love on Hashem's part. Right? Make sense? Godly restraint, i.e. God loves us. Okay? So, um, so when, what, so we're going to be a little bit repetitive here because I really want to like bring this point home. What happens when you feel truly loved? Everyone should know this by now in your sleep. What happens you when you feel truly loved? You love back. Yes, you love back. You feel loving. Um, and that is just, I want to say science, but it's just natural. Okay. Um, now, we're going to take it one step further. And this is where chapter 49 is going to end. Okay. So, we, we, it's drilled in our head. We know by now the concept of if you feel loved, we will feel loving but we want to take it one step further. We want to love God the way he loves us. Not just the fact that he loves us, but the same way he loves us, right? We want to reciprocate with the same type of love. So how in this particular chapter, when we're studying about God's love for us, how does God love us? How is he showing us that he loves us? By restraining himself. Yes. I don't know where that voice came from because there's no, no picture, but it was a good voice because it was correct. He is, but his love is shown by holding back, right? He makes himself smaller. He moves aside. He makes room for us. Okay. It's a restraint. He doesn't take up all the space. He leaves some room for us. Therefore, how can we love him back? If we wanted to reciprocate the way that God loves us, the way that we would love him back is a restraint on our part, right? A little bit of an inconvenience, right? We want to give up something of our desires, of our lives to make room for God. What do we keep saying many times throughout the Tanya that how do you make space for God, right? When we tame our ego, when we make ourselves a little smaller, that's how we leave space for God. So here we're coming back with this concept. In order for to us to make room for God, we need to make ourselves a little smaller. How do we make ourselves smaller? How do we make room for God? How do we um, sacrifice a little bit for God? We know this. By doing what? <laughs> Mitzvahs. Yes, Torah, by studying Torah and doing mitzvahs, that is automatically transcending our nature. If we take time to study Torah, if we take time to do mitzvahs, we are, by definition, making ourselves smaller and doing God's will, doing what he wants. And I, guys, we have to remember, it's not a mystery. If anyone ever walks around and says, I don't know what to do for God, I don't know how to serve God, right? He tells us, right? So find your rabbi, open up with Chomesh, 
read some knowledge of Judaism, you will find, he doesn't like make us figure it out. He's very clear, 613 different ways on how we can serve him, okay? So um, this is how we show God that we cherish um, the imposition, right? We love the fact that we get to give up of ourselves a little bit for God right? And we're showing God that we get it. He made ourselves, he made himself smaller for us. We in turn, we can give up the cheeseburger for him once in a while, right? We can light Shabbos candles for him, right? Even if it encroaches on the football game on TV, right? Like we can give up stuff for God because he, what, what did he do for us? He made, he had to constrict himself in such unfathomable ways our brains can't even comprehend just so we can have a relationship with him, I feel like our, our, the Tanya is telling us we can do the same. We can give up a little bit of ourselves, a little bit of our comforts, a little bit of our desires, a little bit of our impulses, right? By taking the time. So the fact, by the way, we are doing this right now, right? It's for some of you, it's 9.45 at night, 7.45, 6.45, the morning, wherever you are, you're taking an hour out of your day where you can be doing a million different things, important things, right? But no, you're here, you're making space for God by studying his Torah and saying, God, I want to get close to you. I want to know what it means to be close to you. So I'm going to spend an hour of my day learning Tanya so I can understand how to get closer to you. That is a sacrifice. And that is a gesture of love, right? So pat yourselves on the back because that's really awesome. Um, and this is how, this is how we make space. We make space for God by doing his mitzvahs. Okay. Now to um, summarize chapter 49, and then we'll have a little bit of time for meditation and questions if we have. Okay. And we're, we, we talked about this at the beginning of chapter 49, and we're going to culminate with, what, with, with it again. Think about how Hashem puts himself, how Hashem constricts himself to make room for you. Based on this principle, you will be moved to put yourself aside to make room for him. Once you meditate on this, concept, it will happen automatically. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to say it one more time, but I'm going to say it during our meditation. Okay. So now we're going to come back to our meditation. This time we'll, we'll get it. We'll, we won't just drop into it. We'll spend some time with our breath and then we will um, culminate with um, this final idea. So make yourself comfortable. Take a deep breath. And now I want you to tap into that intentional breathing, that intentional breath that we've been practicing. What do we want to do? We want to inhale. And when we inhale, we want to inhale through our chest. What are we doing when we inhale through our chest? We're opening up our heart center, which is exactly what we want to be doing, right? We want to be creating those emotions in our heart. So open up that heart center, big inhale. And then when you exhale, that's where you have your grounding base. Exhale from your, all the way down from your pubic bone, up and out through your mouth. 
Okay. So inhale, open up your heart center, exhale, ground yourself. I'll let you do that for a minute or two. Okay, before we end with the, with the meditation, I want you just to quickly, quickly visualize this great, big, shining, godly light that's shining into you, that's melting away any stress or hesitation or tension that you might be holding in your body. Just let it melt away. And now... I want you to think about this concept and take it home with you. Think about how Hashem puts himself aside, constrains, constricts himself to make room for you. Based on this principle, you will be moved automatically to put yourself aside to make room for him. How do we do that? Through mitzvahs and learning Torah. So if you think about the love and the unfathomable restraint that it takes God to make room for us to have a relationship with him, automatically we want to give up for him too. And, I, and giving up isn't this sad, like poor me experience. Giving up is you are happy to, you're excited to do something for the, for the God that you love. Just think about any relationship, right? When you really love someone, you're happy to give of yourself to that person. That's what we're talking about here with God. He loves us. So we are happy to love him in return. I want you to sit with that for a minute. Think about how you can apply this in your day-to-day -day life in a small way. We're not looking for huge transformations automatically. But slowly but surely, incorporating these concepts in your life, you will see change. Bring it, your attention back to your breath. Big inhale. Exhale. Wiggle your hands and your toes, your feet, sorry. Yeah, your fingers and your toes. Kind of bring you back to center. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, any questions, any thoughts, any comments? It's all welcome here. Disagreements, struggles, we're all on the same page.
when we're making room is part of that um, constricting the lush and hurrah? For sure. Right. Cause that's actually one of God's 613 commandments is do not speak ill of somebody else. Right. So first of all, speaking ill of somebody else, leaving God out of it is never very good. Right. But that's actually one of the ways that God says, serve me, right? Like do not speak ill of other people. So if we, let's say, oh, and, and it can be so juicy sometimes, right? Sometimes it's so hard to just rise above that gossipy conversation. So when we say, you know what, I'm not going to be part of that gossip, or I'm not going to participate in this big, juicy, you know, conversation, that is a literally making room for God because you're giving up something of yourself. Trust me, we all like to be in those conversations. It's very fun, right? Um, but when you restrain and when you hold back from that, you are transcending your nature by that very idea. So that's 100% automatically making space for God. So perfect example. Anything else? We're good. It makes sense. I'm not saying it's easy or whatever, or it's, oh, it's a life's work, right? We're not going to just get there and be done, right? This is a constant life work and a constant um, journey that we're on. But the cool thing is, I didn't even turn my, I was wondering why it's getting dark in here. I didn't even turn my lights on in my office. Um, but the cool thing is, is that there is like there is a path. Like if we choose to meditate on this, this will happen. We just have to choose to meditate and, and take the time to do that. Okay. Thank you so much for being here, being patient with me, especially in the beginning when I couldn't, I needed to like read my notes a little bit and I'm going to stop the recording.